I think my microphone was on when I was talking to the dog here just a minute ago saying, okay, Bucky, because he was uh, kind of whining a little bit. We have some uh, um, interest in the home here between Bucky and our female Magnolia because Maggie is in heat. And so I will just say this at the beginning of the broadcast, if you hear a little barking and whatnot, some whimpering, that is why uh, there is a fence between the two because we do not want to have puppies in our house uh, this year anyway so if you happen to hear some little background noise my apology uh, for that uh, we're in Acts chapter 5 today <clears throat> I haven't been in Acts since I left for Israel and yesterday was kind of a catch-up day uh, 
a how are you doing day, and still would love to hear. I mean, a few of you posted some things uh, yesterday, uh, and it was good. If anybody else has things that they would like to post during this live segment of uh, this broadcast, uh, please post your comments there, and I would be glad to try to interact with those uh, as I'm able. But for now, let me get us into the book of Acts chapter 5. Now, I just want to let you know, this, this is a... Uh, this is a harder passage. Uh, this I've entitled this uh, "Inverse Signs and Wonders" because um, oftentimes we think of signs and wonders of, of being something like healing somebody of an infirmity or a disease, or raising the dead, or casting out a demon, or something of that nature. This goes the opposite direction of that in some fashion. And as we read this section of scripture this morning, you'll see what I mean by that. So uh, let's jump right into it and uh, see what we can learn. Now, a man named uh, Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Now, let me just stop there for a moment and take us back one chapter to chapter 4, toward the end of the chapter, to see what was taking place. I mean, Peter and John had been arrested. Uh, They were released. Uh, The the believers now in Acts uh, 4.23 are praying for, uh, for boldness, and uh, that they might continue to proclaim the gospel as they uh, need to do and have been called to do, have been appointed to do. Uh, Verse 29 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats, the threats of the governmental officials, uh, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, that is uh, a piece of uh, work that we would like to see very much in our own day, to see the hand of the Lord fall, uh, to... to to see uh, the ability to perhaps stretch out hands and, and do uh, miracles and wonders in the name of Jesus. I mean, some would really subscribe to that and really ascribe to that and really desire that. Uh, yes, no, I, I would rather be preaching and see people come to faith in Christ uh, is my heart's desire. And so in verse 31, it continues, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Now remember, they had prayed. They had come together in prayerfulness, asking God to to work uh, in, in the midst of them. And so God shows up in answer to the prayer, the necessity of prayer, that, that we would come together and pray for God to do absolutely incredible things. So you get down to uh, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, there is some uh, misconception of what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit versus what it means uh, to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There are some who have the notion the Holy Spirit comes and goes from your life uh, we have already disproven that uh, that theory. Uh, that that is not, in fact, the way that it is. Um, the fact of the matter is that 
the Lord upon the genuine, true belief of somebody in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit uh, regenerates an individual. Uh, the Holy Spirit converts an individual. The Holy Spirit permanently takes up residence in the life of the believer. That is the indwelling nature of the Holy Spirit. He will not come. He will not go. We've looked at that in Ephesians chapter 1 um, and other places. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. But However, we do have a part to play in whether our lives will be filled with the Holy Spirit or not based on our yielded surrender to him. And, you know, it isn't a thing of being surrendered in church. It's a thing of being surrendered at work. It's not a thing of being surrendered in the midst of a Bible study. Uh, it's uh, uh, a case of being surrendered out in the midst of the community. Uh, we, we need to be surrendered, aware of the Holy Spirit, of the presence of Christ in our lives. And, and the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that, that will come upon us uh, as we live in yielded state to Him. Uh, that is the filling. Now, I, I do believe that, that the Holy Spirit will at times uh, supernaturally, even beyond normal filling, uh, perhaps the word some might use would be anointing. Uh, a special anointing may fall at times upon believers to do things that they might not, even, even under the, the compulsion of the Spirit in other times that they might not normally do. Uh, a word that is spoken, uh, an insight into someone's life that they share with them, uh, an opportunity to speak boldly for Christ. It might not be your, your M.O., uh, modus operandi, but the Holy Spirit may anoint you, may empower you uh, for these unique times. But friends, what I'm wanting to say is, is this. Um, Desire to be yielded to the Spirit moment to moment in your life. That's what I want to say. Seeking to try to be aware of Him all the time. And, and there's much of life that we live in. It makes it challenging at times for us to, uh, um, to think that way. But we, we need to figure out how to think that way so that... Uh, uh, so that we can live the Christian life. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in church. The Christian life is meant to be lived 168 hours out of the week. Uh, all the hours, all the moments, all the minutes, uh, all the seconds. Uh, that, that is the nature of the Christian work uh, and of living the Christian life. Um, and that is what we are called to do. Our dear friend Don does not, I don't think Don is in here this morning. He might be out having an early morning appointment or something. So I am hitting a few good mornings here to, to folks that have said good morning. And I want to say good morning right back to you as well and tell you that you're, we, we recognize you as a part of this happy throng, we'll call it, the happy throng of believers that are gathered here this morning. Um, to be a part of this time in God's Word. We, right now, we haven't gotten to chapter 5 yet because I am still in chapter 4, 
kind of laying the groundwork of what happened here. Acts 4.31, they prayed, the necessity of prayer. The place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32-37, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. So great power, we see here in verse 33, great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I realize that perhaps not everybody who listens to this broadcast, in fact, probably most people listening to this broadcast, are not going to be those who would proclaim the word as I might proclaim the word because it is unique to my calling. It's unique to the gifting which God has given to me to continue to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But notice what it says, and much grace was upon them all. Friends, that we would pray that there would be much grace uh, upon us all. Even Walter who logged in from Pennsylvania, and I said, much grace to you, Walter, and I would say to every one of you who are listening this morning, much grace to you. May there be much grace uh, upon you, verse 33. Verse 34 continues, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And uh, a wonderful thing. Well... Maggie just jumped the fence. That's all right. I will keep going. We will trust in uh, whatever happens out there. <laughs> so the apostles, uh, people are bringing money. They're putting the apostles' feet. Now, it, it isn't that you need to go sell everything you have to give to the, the poor uh, or to those in need. But sometimes we sell something that we have, or sometimes we make an extra offering. In fact, I know one of the works at uh, works at uh, the beginning of. I'm confused now. Sorry. Hang on a second. I'm going to put the text back on. Okay, for any of you who are worried about uh, things, 
everything is cool to set up. No, it's not. It's morning playtime, which is the normal thing that they do, and they go out and uh, run all over the backyard, but uh, I'll keep her right in here. She wants to go play, but just keep her close here. Anyway, sorry, folks, about all that in the midst of this. Uh, I'm living life in my home, doing these broadcasts from home, uh, just living life like all of you live life. So, phew, yes, as Fran has said, phew, absolutely. Back to what we're talking about. I mean, the church, they loved each other. Now, here's what we can do. We, we can say, well, we, we just need to, uh, uh, you know, just take up collections and give to people and just do this. But it needs to be motivated by love. They were one in heart. They were one in mind. They were one in love. They knew each other. They cared for each other. Uh, they they were they would minister to each other, and it's just what they did out of the overflow of the heart. It wasn't something that had to be organized and, and constructed in some way. They simply went and and did this because of their love for each other. Now, I was starting to say I think that uh, one of the things that um, uh, that I know our, our leadership is doing. We used to have uh, on a designated Sunday a time when uh, we would take an, an, an extra offering, a benevolence offering it was called. Some would call it a deacon's offering. Uh, and we're, we're going to be getting back into that practice uh, in the life of our church, uh, an opportunity to give extra. Uh, now, we, we as a church, uh, along the way, we've bought cars for people. We have paid people's rent. Uh, we have helped people with utilities. Uh, we have helped people in, in varieties of different ways. I just want you to know that. Um, and unfortunately, in our day and age, one of the things that uh, uh, can happen is when, when you start helping people, people come out of the woodwork and everybody wants help. And so one of the things that I think that we're, we're going to do uh, is it's going to start in the life of the church people who are part of the church first. Um, because it doesn't say in the text they were helping the whole wide world out there with all their needs. It doesn't say that. It says in the text that what they were doing was they were helping those who are part of the church first. That's what they were doing. And, and so the deacons fund, yes, we may reach out from time to time and help people outside the church. But here's, here's the deal. Kind of like Jesus. Uh, people were following him in John chapter 6 because he had performed the miracle, the loaves and the fish, and because he had fed the, the thousands of people with such a small little offering. And people started following him because of that. They weren't interested in the gospel. They weren't interested in repentance. They weren't interested in following Christ. They were interesting, interested in the acts that he did. And the same thing can be true in, in today's version of church. Uh, where if a church is, is meeting all kinds of needs, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, um, but we don't have limitless supply, and it needs to be, excuse me, needs to begin in the household of God first. That is the first course of action, the first place that things should happen in the household, uh, in the family of God. Now, let, let me put the text back up. Let's finish this, then we'll get into chapter 5 and at least get started there. Um, 
They put the money, verse 35, at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to those who had need. Uh, so there is a, a system that is there. It was through the church's leadership that the distributions were made as there were needs that were made known. And then it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So, I mean, what, what can we do? I mean, you might have a yard sale. You might list some things on the marketplace with the intent of, uh, I'm going to sell this and give the money. Uh, it might be 100 bucks. It could be 1000 bucks, but, but that could be the intent on why you do what you do to bring it, to put it at the apostles' feet, to put it at the feet of the church leadership and say, okay, it's up to you guys to figure out how to, to distribute this. Now, we get into chapter 5, and something happens, kind of an inverse miraculous... Maggie, stay. Uh, kind of an inverse thing that happens here. So let me get chapter 5 up uh, for us. Here it is. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a, no, not Elvira. Your heart's not on fire for Sapphira. It was on fire for Elvira. Sorry, I, I went down that road. That was the Oak Ridge Boys, I think, wasn't it? Uh, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, they kept back part of the money for uh, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? <clears throat> Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And it says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Some translations say he fell down dead. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And we notice the text, what it says here. Uh, Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And that moment, at that moment, she fell down at his feet dead. Then the men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about this. Now, I can hear some of you saying, well, well, isn't it their prerogative to do what they want with the money? Yeah, that wasn't the issue. The issue was they, they sold the property, but were wanting to lead the apostles and the other believers that were gathered there to think that they were giving the entirety of what they had sold the property for. There is nothing wrong, friends, in... You know, if you sell something and, and say, "I want to give some of the money um, away to to the to the church leadership to distribute to those who are in need, the benevolence fund," nothing wrong with doing that whatsoever. But what they did is they did it in a in a way 
so as to make themselves appear better. Uh, they were deceitful in the gift that they gave. So I just want to encourage you uh, that uh, you know, what, what's taking place here isn't, isn't, they're not being punished because they had done something um, wrong in giving a gift. It's how they gave the gift. It was, it was the, the heart set in which they gave the gift to be duplicitous, uh, to be misleading, um, to be deceitful uh, in what they did. And, and so this section of Scripture gets into the reality that God cannot be mocked. Uh, they lied to the Holy Spirit. That, that is exactly what it is. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They, they, they lied to the believers that were there. And so God brings a moment of judgment upon the believers, and the reason he brings this judgment is he wants to establish that, yes, we have a new covenant, but the name of the Lord is still to be feared. It is still to be regarded. Now, now, friends, I mean, we could, we could press into this and say, how often are we perhaps uh, duplicitous? Uh, how often might we, in fact, lie to the Holy Spirit I think that this is much more rampant than what we think. And, and the ways that I think it's much more rampant is we carry ourselves acting more spiritual than what we really are. Uh, self-righteousness stinks like chicken manure. And we carry ourselves self-righteously and all of these things. And um, we, we're trying to uh, make ourselves look, look better than what we really are. That's why I like to say, look, I need the grace of Jesus every day. I have my issues. And as Rush Limbaugh used to say, issues. I have my issues. I have my issues. I have my weaknesses. I have my, my faults in life. And I don't want to pretend that I don't. You know, um, and that is where I think we get into trouble in, in living the Christian life. We, we try to present ourselves as something better than we are. Uh, in fact, try to present ourselves in our own righteousness and not present ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. Well, there, there is, there is a great thing that happens here. There's a warning here to not lie to the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a warning here. Uh, now, I... This is a unique situation. I don't think that the Lord, I, I have not read, now I haven't read every book that's ever been written on, on the topic or every book that's ever been written for that matter. Uh, I don't know that this particular type of incident happens again. Uh, now there are places where the Holy Spirit does uh, establish his glory and establish his authority in, in certain things that we'll read as we go through the book of Acts, where people were trying to be duplicitous. But something of this nature, as we read in chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 9, is, is unique. But God is wanting that his people have right reverence for him. He is wanting that his people have right regard for him. He's wanting that his people uh, are not presenting themselves uh, you know, and I'm not saying that we should go around airing all of our dirty laundry. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am suggesting is rather than pretending that our acts are always together when our acts are not always together, that we would uh, actually say, you know, I, I've got my weaknesses, and uh, I'm aware of my weaknesses. And sometimes with 
individuals perhaps even share those weaknesses, uh, but to not try to present ourselves, and, and I, I think we can do that. Uh, we, 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 you know, people put on their Sunday best, and this is one of the things I've heard numerous times along the way. People put on their Sunday best and go to church, uh, covering up and masking, uh, you know, all the all the filth that is there. In fact, I've talked to people in in the community that. Uh, remember the days uh, of old when people would, you know, put on their Sunday best, go to church, and then come in and cuss out the the clerk at the store. Uh, those types of things. Uh, and those are real stories, folks. And you know, it isn't the clothes you wear; it, it's the character of your heart. It's the character of your mind. It's it, it's the humility of soul to be able to acknowledge before other people. Uh, this ongoing need of Christ. I need Christ all the time. Now, again, this this particular story that we're reading this morning uh, can be somewhat unnerving, somewhat challenging, somewhat difficult for us, but God is trying to just establish simply the fact that uh, that he is to be regarded as holy. So the question, why did he kill them? Um you know, it begins at the end of Acts chapter 4 that we've just looked at. Um, people were not coerced into uh, doing what they did. They were doing what they did simply because of uh, love for one another. Um, they sold the field. Part of the profit uh, they kept back. And if they would have said, we sold a, a, a field and we kept, we're giving some of it. No issue there. But that isn't what they did. They had the pretense of having given all the proceeds, and the hypocritical show may have fooled some, but not Peter. He was filled with the Spirit. He knew instantaneously that Ananias was lying. Perhaps he'd heard already what the field was sold for. Uh, So he exposed the the hypocrisy right then and there, and Ananias, as we read, fell down dead. When when Sapphira Sapphira showed up, she... uh, uh, corroborated with her husband uh, and told the same lie, and she also fell down dead. Now, now some would say this was natural causes. No, not natural causes at all. Uh, the fact is, I God smote them both. Why would he kill two people for lying? I mean, one involves his abhorrence of sin. He... he, he uh, abhors the the hypocrisy of this couple. It's a lesson for the church. It's a lesson for us. Uh, You know, we we have to make sure that we don't gloss over the the holiness of God and forget that, in fact, God is righteous and pure and that he hates sin with all his heart. Uh, So this particular hypocrisy, Peter's not wanting to see this become part of the church. God is not wanting to see this become part of the early church, so it is dealt with swiftly decisively, you know, now there, there is the question, what about their salvation? Well, I mean, the, there is, there is uh, all thought here that they were believers, uh, Acts 4.32, uh, because they're included in the all the believers were together. Uh, they knew the Holy Spirit, Acts 5.3, you know, um, best evidence that they were children of God is that they received discipline. If you're not disciplined, everyone who undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, true sons and daughters of God. That's from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8. 
Ananias had conspired, Ananias and Sapphira conspired to get uh, applause and accolades from people in the church, but their conspiracy led to sin. So what we're reminded here is that believers can be led into bold, flagrant sin, uh, and Satan had filled their hearts in this way, Acts 5.3, to test the Spirit of the Lord, covetousness, hypocrisy, a desire for the praise of men, all played a part. You know, this isn't just some obscure um, incident from the Old Testament uh, regarding the violation of Mosaic law. This occurred in the first century church. The story is a reminder to us today that God sees the heart, that God hates sin, that he's concerned for the purity of the church. And as Jesus told the compromising church in Thyatira, all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds and will pay each of you according to your deeds. Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. So for us today, to take this to heart and to say, Lord, help me to live uh, as pure before you. Help me to live not not hypocritically before you, but in all honesty and truth. Uh, and, And sometimes it's just better that we learn to not say anything than to make ourselves look better than we are. Lord, help us today to not uh, try to deceive the Holy Spirit or others. Help us to live in humility. And Lord, when we do act for you, help us to give all the glory, all the credit to you. Um, and, and help us when we do something like what Ananias and Sapphira did to be truthful about it. Lord, help us to glorify you today in how we live our lives That's our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. Have a great day, everyone. See you again tomorrow.